Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Adam Plowsing. If you'd like to find out more about the house, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the house app. I've just enjoyed so much getting to know each of the interns' different stories, and really that's been challenging me of, you know, what is my story? You know, we all have different battles. We all have different adversities that we've had to come through. We've all had different struggles that maybe, maybe we're like, why, God, why am I going through this? Well, let me tell you that we're not done yet, that our stories are not finished yet. We're a work in progress. Just like you'll see out there on a construction sign, you'll see work in progress. Um, seems like every, every uh, highway um, always will have some type of work in progress sign on it. And, and the truth is, is that is our life as well, that we are constantly growing, we're constantly being developed, and that God is doing something amazing in our lives if we're willing to open up our eyes to see what he's doing. Yeah. And so in Philippians 1.6, it says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. See, within each of our stories, which within each of the things that we've gone through in life, God is actually using that, not so that we would be ashamed of our past, not that we'd be ashamed of what we've done previously, but that the adversity that we've overcome would actually become our voice that could be shared with our cities, be shared with our church, be shared with our families, and would actually be our voice to the nations. Do y'all know what the difference between a voice and an echo is? This ain't, this ain't a trick question here. Um, an, an echo, an echo can only repeat what it has been told or what it has heard. We were not created to be echoes. God created us to be voices. God gave each and every one of us here today a unique gifting, different adversities that maybe you've had to fight through, not so that you would just hold on to that and hold on to the shame of it, but that your voice would actually be an inspiration to maybe that person that you sit next to in your cubicle, maybe, the, maybe your neighbor that you live next to, maybe the neighbor in your apartment complex that you don't really know, but maybe they're looking for that inspiration that God has actually given you and appointed you to be a voice to them. God is still at work in our lives, and God wants to see amazing things come about in each and every one of our lives. And so one of the things that I I think is very important and very vital within any healthy, growing relationship is is to look around and take in the world around us. And and one of the things that I have uh, recently done is, is, you know, kind of looked up some of those millennial phrases that everyone likes to say. And my favorite favorite two words um, are the terms Google it. Um, usually we use this of like, if you don't know the answer to a question, you know, a math problem or something like that, you might say, hey, hey, just Google it. Or if you don't know how to fix something around the house, which for me is pretty much everything, um, <laughs> Google it. Um, you know, Courtney's asking me like, hey, how do I change the oil? Uh, Google it. Um, I don't know. And, and usually when we Google it, that's, you know, that's where we find all the information because we all know that everything we find on the internet is correct. You know, am I right? Am I right? Um, and so, and so, you know, what, what, my favorite use, though, my favorite context of this term, Google it, is, is really when it's used in a, in a friendly debate. You know, I, I know we're Christians, so we would never argue with anyone about anything ever. And it's specifically me, you know, um, with my wife. You know, we've been married for almost three years, actually three years on, on uh, this Wednesday. So don't worry, babe. I'm, I'm working on our anniversary. You know, you don't need to worry about anything. I got it planned. I got it planned. Uh, <laughs> 
But, you know, occasionally, occasionally, we will get into a slight disagreement about things. And usually what will happen when this starts to take place is usually it's some type of irrelevant question, you know, of like, is LaCroix really the worst party gift that you could ever bring? You know, what's the capital of Djibouti? I don't know. Um, you know, is, uh, you know, what is the actual right version of orange, orange justice? You know, just shout out to any Fortnite people in here in the room um, that... <laughs> that usually is something that's completely irrelevant, something that doesn't matter at all. And, and what will happen though, is we'll start, we'll start arguing and we'll start building and it'll start growing. And then it reaches kind of the penultimate, the climax moment where someone says, Google it. Because that means that I'm laying it all on the line right here, that I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm gonna win this argument. And it's kind of like, I'm laying it all down right there. Now the problem though, of what will happen, and I know this comes as a shock to y'all, is that sometimes I'll say Google it when I don't know the right answer. I'm kind of using that as a bluff. I'm just kind of saying like, I'm, I'm about 50, 60% sure, and because I'm 50, 60% sure, I, I don't think she's gonna look it up. Well, if anyone knows my wife, she of course will look it up right there, <laughs> which unfortunately results in me being proved wrong. So what I've started doing is just accumulating a wealth of irrelevant information. Because if I have that information, then when we get into those arguments, then when I say Google it, I don't have to be worried about someone calling my bluff. And so what will happen is I just have this, this wealth of irrelevant information, unless I'm playing some type of trivia game, um, which even then still not that great at. Uh, but I have this growing information, and usually that's from me Googling just random facts. If anyone were to look at like my Google history, you'd be like, man, this guy is not from planet Earth. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with this dude? And, and so when you're flying to Belize, you know, you have a, a pretty lengthy plane ride to go down there. So I'm looking out the window, and I'm, I'm looking down, and I see all blue. You know, I'm thinking, okay, that's probably not land. That's probably not where I want to crash. Um, all right, so, so, but I got to thinking, Man, like, you know, we're 35, 40,000 feet up. Man, it'd be really cool if I could actually look down there and see, you know, see, see a little fish, you know, see a little dolphin, a whale. Oh, that's a shark, you know, like that'd be really cool. But of course, you know, it's, you know, we're 35, 40,000 feet up. I, I can't see anything. And so it got me thinking though, what animal, what creature in all the earth has the greatest, the greatest vision, you know, has the greatest eyesight? And, and so I got to think, you know, we got the song, Eye of the Tiger. Maybe it's Eye of the Tiger. I don't know. Maybe it's a lion. Maybe it's an owl. I don't know. And so I, when I got off the plane, I actually went and Googled it. And, and I saw that it was an eagle. An eagle has eight times as powerful vision as a human. That means that an eagle can see a rabbit two miles away. Let me tell you, if you're a bunny, that's not good news. Um, <laughs> The reason that its vision is so good is because they have a million cells per millimeter in their eye. That means they got about a million cells and something about that big. An incredibly complex structure, incredibly complex. And it's vital to their survival. If an eagle's vision becomes damaged, they can't just go get contacts. They can't just go get glasses. You know, you don't see an eagle getting LASIK surgery around here. You know, that eagle is going to be in trouble because it's not going to be able to provide for its young. It's not going to be able to provide for um, itself, and it's probably eventually going to starve to death. And in the same way, that got me thinking of us as humans, how much we rely on our vision. 
You know, for most of us, our eyes are our most valuable sensory organ, that we rely on our sense of vision more than any other sense. You know, if we lose our keys, you don't see anyone going around sniffing the air going, you know, well, where are my keys? Where are my keys? No, 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 no. You don't see anyone licking the air, you know, trying to figure out where their keys are. No, you rely on your vision. You rely on your eyesight to be able to see. But our vision is so much more than that because our vision is what we use to interpret, to understand, to perceive the world all around us. And that got me thinking of, you know, this is all, this is all on the surface level, but what about in the spiritual vision? You know, because we have eyes of our heart as well and the way that we see things that really aren't actually being seen right now. See, I want to jump into the Word of God here and because I believe that our vision actually determines our destiny and where God is taking us. And so we're going to be in 2 Kings 6 today. Um, and just, just to kind of set the precedent of what this is, um, so this is a story, kind of a more obscure story, probably not one of those that you've, um, you know, grew up reading in uh, bedtime stories or anything like that. And so this story of 2 Kings 6, to just kind of set the stage for you guys, uh, we have this king of Aram. And Aram is kind of where modern-day Syria is. And let me tell you, this king of Aram, this is a bad dude. Like, this is a nefarious bro right here. Like, he, all he wants to do is come in, take captive the Israelites from these villages. He wants to come and plunder their cities, and he wants to enslave them. If you do any research about, you know, this king of Aram in that area at the time, like, it's some pretty rough stuff, some pretty heinous stuff that you see that they were doing to whoever they took captive. And so you have this king, and he's planning all these different raids where he would actually go and he would attack these Israelite villages who weren't ready for an army to come sweeping through. But there's this man named Elisha who was a prophet and heard from God. And so God would speak to him, and God would tell him where this king of Aram was about to ready to go and attack. And so Elisha would take that information, and he'd go and tell the king of Israel and then the king of Israel would then go and mobilize his forces and mobilize his military to be ready for that attack. So you can kind of just picture this of the king of Aram, you know, is planning this great attack. You know, he's giving his pep talk. He's, you know, we're going to go in. We're going to plunder the city. And they come around the corner and the entire Israelite army is standing there waiting for them. So this happens, you know, two, three, four, five times. And this king of Aram is starting to figure out, all right. There's, some, there's an information leak. I mean, this is, a, this is a greater information leak than any WikiLeak, any CIA secret, any James Bond, you know, uh, sneaking through, you know, national security breach. This is, this is straight intel from God. Like, you cannot beat that. And so this king of Aram is becoming very frustrated about this. He's becoming very upset, and he wants answers. And so we pick it up here in verse 11, where it says, the king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans, it says. None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. So, so I just want to pause here just for a second because 
I, I don't know the, this servant's story. I, I don't know, you know, what the battles that he's had to go through, you know, his story. But I'm just, I'm just going to guess that maybe he wanted to be with the prophet Elisha because he didn't want to be involved in this military thing. He wasn't, he wasn't a fighter. Maybe he was a lover, you know, that he, he was like, man, I, you know, I'm just going to hang out here with the man of God, you know, in the, in the countryside, the peaceful green pastures. You know, this life sounds pretty good. And, but you got to know that in the back of his mind, he knows that Elisha is kind of inserting himself into this national issue between the king of Israel and the king of Aram. And so this, this servant has got to know that it's only a matter of time until the king of Aram finds out that it's Elisha who's been leaking and telling all the secrets and all the battle strategies and thwarting all the, the, the plans that, that the king of Aram has. And so I, I just kind of picture it that, you know, he's waking up one morning, you know, here's some horses out, out there, and he's like, oh, man, Elisha, Elisha forgot to put the horses back up. I have to go round him up, you know, put him in the stable and all that. And so he's kind of creaking out the window, you know, like, you know, still kind of half asleep. And boom, entire army surrounding the city. Like, this is not a good moment. This is one of those kind of, oh, shoot moments of every word that I know that we would never say, but maybe just you slip into our mind just for a, just a brief second of, you know, those are the kind of words that come to mind in this kind of moment because the entire village is surrounded by an army that has chariots, that has swords, that has shields, that has spears. And what, what do they have? Uh, they, they, got, they got staffs. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not looking good for your boy right now. But look how Elisha responds here in verse 16. He says, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Now, the servant's got to be losing his mind right now of like, Elisha, bro, I don't know how to tell you this, that they got an entire army. We got me, you. We got, we got one, two. That's it, just one, two. It is not looking good right now. And so in verse 15, verse 17, then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. So this is the moment here where the servant's like, hey, Elisha, I, I knew you had it all along. I, I was never worried. But that back there, no, 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 I wasn't scared. Hey, hey, I, I knew we were good. And, and actually, actually, now that we got those, we, we got those, you know, those chariots of fire, hey, hey, I, I'm just going to kick back here, you know, kick back my feet. And, and why don't you just send those chariots of fire and just destroy that evil army? But look at what Elisha actually does here in verse 18. I mean, this is crazy. And so as the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, you have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. And after that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. 
See, when God has changed your vision, it doesn't actually lead us into wrath and violence. It actually leads us into peace. See, the Aramean army, when they lost their vision, they lost their power. And in the same way, when we lose our vision, we lose our power. We lose our purpose. We lose our reason for living. But I I really want to focus here on this servant because the servant saw the world clearly. He saw that they were completely surrounded. It was not a mystery to him what was going on here. He saw what was going on. But when Elisha prayed, open the eyes of this servant, then he really saw what was going on around him. And so when I think about this story, I think about how many times in my own life have I been feeling like, man, I see the world all around me, but I'm, I haven't opened up my eyes to what is really going on here. I haven't opened up my eyes to what God is really doing. And if I'm being transparent with y'all, that has kind of been my story. That's kind of been me and where I've come from of some of these deep, dark times that I've been in. It's because I lost sight of what was really going on. I lost sight of what God was really doing. I started to say, man, I got to fight these battles all by myself. I got to, you know, I got to, I got to strap on. I'm going to take on this army all by myself. But no, that's not what God has commanded us to do. God allows us to submit those battles to him. And he says, I'm already taking care of it. I'm already taking care of it. And so we have to know that the battles that we fight are not of this world. They're of the principalities, and they're in the heavens. They're in the unseen and what we're not even seeing in our day-to-day, that we're not even focusing probably even on maybe the right battle, that maybe we're so focused over here that God's doing something completely different over here that's going to bring us victory. And so when I think about that, I start to think about, man, my excuses start to come up of like, God, like, I don't know if you want me to go in this battle. Like, I'm feeling outnumbered. It don't matter. You might say to God, God, I'm not prepared. God, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. I'm ill-equipped. It don't matter. God did not bring you this far to give up on you now. That God has a plan and God has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. And so I just want to give just three kind of quick tips here real quick um, for everybody of, of what it takes to open up your eyes. And maybe, maybe for everybody, that, that's not open up your eyes. Maybe, maybe like myself, your vision has just drifted just a little bit. Maybe it's just gotten a little bit foggy. Maybe it's just gotten a little bit cloudy. That, you know, I never, I never said to God, God, I'm done with you. You know, I, I'm, I'm doing my own thing now. I'm walking away, and I'm, I'm done following you. No. What happened is my vision just became just a little bit cloudy. It just drifted just a little bit from off center. And when that happens, that's when we f- begin to slip into things. Our vision begins to slip, and we be- begin to question things in our life. So my first tip for y'all, real quick, is to get in his word. The first one is get in his word. We talked about um, this a little bit a couple weeks ago of to be hungry for the word of God, to be hungry and actively pursuing the word of God, that it's not enough for us to just say, well, I heard that Bible story or I heard that verse or, you know, I saw that bumper sticker. No, 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 no. You got to be in the word. You got to be growing in the word daily because if we're not aligning ourselves with the word of God, our vision will begin to slip. We'll begin to become focused on this other battle maybe That's not even what God has for us. 
You know, the battle's right in front of us and we're trying to go on the outside, trying to skirt around it. And God's saying, no, I'm gonna bring you victory, but you have to be willing to take it on. See, Francis Chan has this quote that says, our greatest fear should not be the fear of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Man, that, that, that's, that's one of my ultimate fears is what if, what if I spent my whole life fighting this battle, fighting you know, for this victory, and that's not even what God has in store for me. That God has a victory for me, but I'm so focused on my own battle that I forget to align myself with his word that is leading me through the victory. The second thing I got for y'all is stay plugged in. Simply put, just pray and ask. Pray and ask God each and every day for him to align your vision, for him to sharpen your vision and for what he has for you each and every day. If I'm being real with you guys here, I know a lot of men, I know a lot of guys who fight the fight of purity, who, who wanna protect their marriage, who wanna protect their relationships and actually grow in purity and resist the schemes of the enemy with the images that are flooded in our everyday lives. But what will happen is if all we do is just set up boundaries and guardrails, and then it's, we're gonna be like a man that's stuck in a, a room full of mirrors and we're just running one way and we run into a wall and we turn and run another way and we run into a wall again and we're never able to escape because we're never listening to the word of God that God actually wants to lead us into that victory. That victory can only happen when we listen to the word of God and we listen to what he has for us. My third and final thing, is to respond with prayer. If we look at Elisha here, what did he, what did he do when, when he found out that he was completely surrounded by this army of the king of Aram? Did he run out there saying, all right, we're taking them all on? No, he knew that God was with him, so he prayed. He responded with prayer. It's true, there, you can't deny it that there's gonna be battles in our life. How will you respond when those battles come at you? How are you gonna respond when maybe you don't know the right answer? And maybe, maybe the answer is right now that maybe our vision has just, just become just a little bit foggy, just a little bit cloudy. Maybe for some of us, maybe you know, we're fighting a battle that's like, hey, it's time to give this battle back to God. It's time to submit this battle to what God has in store for us. And if I'm being truthful, just a little bit about me, kind of as we close out here. One of the, one of the most difficult times for me when I was about 18, 19, 20, um, coming out of high school, going into college, and, and I reached this moment where I'd already, you know, I'd always known the right answers. I'd always known what I was supposed to do. I, I, I come from a great family. My, my mom and my dad love the Lord. And so because of that, you know, I knew the right answers. You know, going to church, I knew what I was supposed to say. Going to school, I know what I'm supposed to do. When your parents say, be on your best behavior, I, I know what they're talking about. I know how to, how to put up that face. And that face protected me from a lot of things. But what happened is, as you get older, the battles get bigger and the battles get more intense. And so what had gotten me you know, through this first part of my life wasn't enough that I had been doing it all on a worldly vision and God had a heavenly vision that he wanted to bring me into, but it was only when I opened up my eyes to that heavenly vision. And the problem is, is that I didn't wanna do that. I said, God, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll just sit this one out. You know, God, it's been really tough. I don't know if I wanna keep on fighting this battle. I don't know if I wanna keep on fighting here. 
And so that, that took me into a time where I was questioning I was questioning just about everything. I was questioning my purpose. I was questioning my vision. I was questioning my value. You know, what, what was I doing? You know, all these times that I had spent so much time and effort working to fight these battles to stay, to stay true, to stay pure. And all of a sudden, these battles that I've been fighting, I'm saying, God, I'm done. But then God does something incredible. He actually pursues us. And God gave me a new vision, that God gave me that heavenly vision that when I've been focusing on the battles in my life, that God said there is more, that God is actually doing more in our lives than we even know right now. That God is up to something that is greater than what we can ever imagine, but we have to submit those battles. And for me, that was me saying, I'm done fighting this fight. I'm done fighting this battle. God, it is yours. I'm giving this battle to yours because I can't do it on my own right now. And my question here for you, guys today is how many of y'all may be in the same spot where we just need to say God I'm done fighting this battle I'm giving this battle back to you because when God begins to fight our battles it changes the outcome yeah we can fight hard but there's only so much that we can do on our own if we don't submit ourselves to God we're always going to be fighting those battles on our own power and so what I want to leave you guys with today is know that we can fight. We can fight those battles and that God is already bringing victory to us if we submit and we say, God, this is not my battle now. This is your battle and you will be victorious in it because of what you've done each day, every day in our lives. And so if you guys would, please stand with me as I close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you're a good God who pursues us, who would be so willing to leave the 99 to chase the one. Lord, I thank you that even when we fall, even when we slip, even when our vision begins to slip, it becomes a little cloudy. Lord, you are right there to reshape our vision, to renew our vision, to give our vision a new hope, a new life that only comes from you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are hopeful and that you are true and that your love is new each and every day and that we have a hope because of what you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.